You are listening to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 190 with my guest today, Steve Rosen. So Steve was actually back on one of my podcasts earlier this year to talk about his book, Tone Chaser, Understanding Eddie Van Halen. So today he's back to talk about his new album with his band Highway Sentinels, which features some amazing guest guitarists, including Joe Satriani, Paul Gilbert, uh, Bumblefoot, and a heaps more. So it's a fantastic album, and all the songs are great, which Steve wrote as well with Jim Waldo. And the opening track you're hearing is from the album, and it's called I'm a Loser, which features Paul Gilbert. And the second half of the interview, Steve gives us an update of the book and where it's at at the moment, and also shares some great stories from the book. Can't wait to, to read this whole book. It's going to be fantastic. Some of the stories about Eddie and his time with Eddie. So if you do want to get the book, all the links are in the show notes. So check that out. And that's where you can also see my sponsors, Custom Guitar Picks, Musician, and Arnold Krakowka, which again, thank you very much to the sponsors for making this podcast happen. So let's go over to my interview now with Stephen Rosen. All right, well, thanks again for doing this for us. Of course, man. No, that's great. I mean, the album, it's fantastic. Highway Sentinels. Highway Sentinels. So how'd you come up with the, the name? Oh, oh, um, that was actually David Reese's idea. Uh, the singer. Um, and as soon as I heard it, I, I kind of dug it, you know, it had kind of a retro kind of a vibe, you know, a little of that uh, traveling Wilburys petty somehow thing, you know, but sounded somehow modern. Uh, so yeah, it was cool. Yeah. That was his, uh, that was his idea entirely. Um, good name. Definitely. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. But the, the whole thing's just fantastic. Well, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm glad you really liked it. It was an interesting process, to say the least. Jimmy Waldo, uh, who plays keyboards on the record, Jimmy, as you may know, you know, was a keyboard player in Alcatraz. In fact, he's still a keyboard player in Alcatraz. Um, and I have been friends since the mid '80s. We've been writing songs probably since about that time. And um, you know, we we kind of had this stockpile of songs, you know, which I try to shop around to see if we get somebody to cut it, you know, get a publishing deal, and and it was just. Uh, it was just a tough thing to do. Giles Lavery, who is uh, Jimmy's manager, also manages uh, Alcatraz, band called Girl School, uh, manages David Reese, had heard some of these songs. So, so let, let me backtrack. So Jimmy and I had written these songs. So what you're hearing is, is basically a, a reimagining of these songs that were written uh, actually decades ago. You know, these were songs that I had written lyrics to. Jimmy and I had written the music. And then we had, at that point, kind of friends, guitar players, musicians come in uh, to play the parts. I, I mean, on some of the original songs, I mean, there were people like um, Rowan Roberts, who played uh, guitars with Dio. Uh, Harry Cody played in the band called uh, Shotgun Messiah, really good guitar player. Lance is the bass player. He played with uh, Don Henley and Rod Stewart. The guitar player was Keith Howland, who'd been the guitar player in uh, Chicago uh, for many, 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 many years. I got some other great players. Um, yeah, so so we had these songs. 
Jimmy was moving. He was moving sort of from out here in California. He was moving back to Chicago. So Giles was out here one day helping Jimmy move. And he heard some of these tapes of these songs that Jimmy and I had written. And he loved these songs. And he kind of said, hey, you know, they're a little, maybe a little dated sounding. Could you kind of reimagine them, kind of update them? So Jimmy and I, Jimmy actually had moved back to Chicago, came back out here uh, actually to work with Graham Bonnet uh, on some Alcatraz stuff. This is probably going back at least a year ago, probably more. So he came and stayed at my place uh, in Hollywood for a couple of weeks. And so we basically had these rough tracks and basically we kind of stripped them down and kind of, you know, went back and, and, sort of played more guitar parts. Jimmy played more key part, keyboard parts. You know, we changed some of the arrangements around and just kind of updated them, you know, reorchestrated them. And Giles said, well, listen, I'm working with David Reese. What if we could get David to sing these songs? So I thought, wow, that, that would be fantastic. So we got him one song. I forget which the first song was. Um, and we sent him the tracks without him ever hearing what the original track was. So the original track that I had was called Lay This Ghost to Rest. And I think that that became Face in the Crowd or Hell in a Handbasket. It's so hard for me to sort of listen to the new version and, and remember what the original was because this stuff has actually changed around. So he never heard like these original singers or these original melodies or the lyrics. So he said, hey man, here's a track, knock yourself out. And at the end of the day, we sent him, I think, uh, 12 tracks, and he came up with the lyrics and did the vocals. Uh, he's in Germany. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy was in Chicago. I'm in L.A. Mark Zonder, the, the, the drummer, was in. I think he was in L.A. So like everything else in this world, you know, man, um, uh, everything had to, be, had to be done long distance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the interest of expense and kind of, you know, flying somewhere where there was sort of a, maybe a studio. I mean, that, that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, and that was kind of the, the process. You know, David came up with some really excellent ideas. Had we all been in the same room, I mean, to be honest, we, we could have maybe gone a bit deeper in terms of vocal performances. I mean, I, I thought what he did was great. But, you know, if you're in the same room and be like, you know, hey, David, you know, tweak that or, you know, but we, did, we didn't have that luxury. Um, but still, man, I, I think this stuff is really great. I'm really proud of this. I mean, I've been writing songs for a long time. And um, I'm really proud of these songs. I mean, um, in all honesty, the original songs were really good songs. I mean, there were like really good bones there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was great. There were solos that were done originally on these songs, but the songs had changed. So uh, where, where, the, where the original solo might have been may have changed a little or the bars might have shifted. So there was no way to kind of take these solos and, and put them in, even though there were some really great solos. Like I said, Harry Cody played an amazing solo. Mm -hmm. Keith Howland is a fantastic guitar player. Tony Palacios, who was in a uh, Christian band called uh, Guardian, played an amazing solo. But, you know, we, we couldn't really use them. And we kind of wanted to try something new. So feeling so good and positive about the songs, I thought, hey, you know what? Let me reach out to some people I know, to some guys I've interviewed in the past, and let me see if they put down some solos. You know, I mean, I felt really good about the tracks. You know, 
where if they said, no, I, I, I don't have the time, I would know that they're response was an honest one that they didn't have the time mm-hmm. and it wasn't because oh no man these tracks suck i'm not going to put my name on one of your tracks you know mm-hmm. what i mean i didn't have to like make excuses for it and I, you know and i wasn't about to approach these guys you know with tracks that i i just didn't feel really comfortable with mm-hmm. you know granted they, they they knew me as a as a journalist you know but still i i, I wouldn't have done that you know i would have been embarrassed by it and i would have put them in a funny spot and so I thought, okay, let me let me reach out to some to, to some of my boys, you know. So the first person I reached out to, and I told you know Giles, the manager, and Jim, I said, hey man, I'm going to reach out to Joe Satriani. They go, oh yeah, Joe's going to really find time to do it, you know. I said, well, you know, man, he's one of the nicer people on the planet. Yeah. I think I've interviewed Joe. He may hold the record for the most times I've interviewed somebody, or if All not, right. he's pretty close. I've probably interviewed him literally. 20 times, wow. um, you know, I, I, I interviewed Joe on, for his second record, uh, not that first solo record, um, but the second one. Um, so this is going back to 88, 89, something like that. Yeah. And I, I I'd interviewed him at least once a year, every time a, a new record came out. And he typically came out with a new record every year. Pretty prolific dude. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had just a, a really good relationship. And again, I knew that that Joe would hear it and I figured he's so busy. He's always working on something that he's going to be busy anyway. But I thought, what the hell? You know, but nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I sent him an email. said, hey, Joe, Steve Rosen, hope you're good, man. You know, I have a monster favor. You know, I, I, I just wrote these songs. My friend Jimmy Waldo. I was just wondering, man, if there's any way, you know, you could play a solo on a song. And, and I didn't attach the song. You know, that would have been too presumptuous. It's like, I, you know, then it's like, he almost would have been forced into a corner. He would have felt obligated. I, I really didn't want that. Mm. And I figured, you know, I'd hear back from him in a week or a month or, you know, <laughs> like two hours later, he goes, yeah, man, send me the track. I'll get it to you in three weeks. Oh, well. <laughs> I go, wow, that's unbelievable. So he sent him the track, uh, which turned out to be um, How to Be Real. Uh, literally three weeks to the day, the track came back. And uh, I, I think he sent a little note and said, hey, man, I hope it's okay. hope you like it, you know. And I put it on. And I was just... Oh, my God. I mean, look, we all know Joe Satriani is an amazing guitar player. We know Joe Satriani doing Joe Satriani music. You know what I mean? These are songs he's written and he knows the changes and he's lived with the solos, you know. And it's like, well, how good really is he or how good are any of these guys playing over somebody else's music? And I'm not talking about Joe playing over a Steve Vai song or, or somebody like, but, you know, just kind of a straight up, you know, rock song. I mean, what, what, what will he bring to it? You know? Mm. And I thought, again, he's going to be so busy. Look, man, nothing he played was going to be bad, but he could have just, I mean, these are, these are not intricate changes. You know, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm sure he played, he heard it one time and he heard the changes in his head. So, you know, he could have blown through those changes in, in 15 minutes and played a thing and it would have been cool. But man, if you listen to it, it starts out with kind of that 
simple little melodic thing. And then it goes into the, you know, the thing, you know, the kind of little yeah, tapping yeah. thing. And then the last thing is kind of a shredding thing. At the very end, you know, he kind of plays that, um, it's like a, a, a vocal answer line. And it's obvious that, that, I mean, he took the time to listen to the song. He listened to the vocals. He listened to the emotion of the song. And I, I, I was just totally blown away. You, you know, I mean, beyond the fact that he's Joe Satriani, you know, mm. uh, beyond the fact that, that I know the guy is constantly working on stuff, you know, beyond that, what it said to me is that he had enough respect for me to say, yes, I'm going to play on your song and I'm going to, I'm going to play as well as I can. I mean, to me, that was everything, you know, uh, that was like, you, you know, I mean, you, you work your entire career. You hope that these guys that you meet over the years have that respect for, for you, you know, and, and they think, oh, I'm going to talk to Steve Rosen again, man. And I remember our last interview and he's, you know what I mean? And, and, and you hope that's what they, they think and they have in their heads, you know. And but you never know. They might say, "Oh, that, that dickhead! I gotta talk to him again." Okay. I mean, you don't know. <laughs> um, but I mean, I it, it was just amazing. You know, I, I was just so blown away. In fact, none of them said, "Oh man, you know, yeah." And, and can you please let me hear it when it's done? And it's like that was so cool. Only because, as good as it might have been, you know, and 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 Jimmy Waldo, you know, did the engineering man and and the solo sound amazing because they were recorded so incredibly. I mean, his guitar sounds are amazing. I mean, you would really would have had to have butchered the thing to have made it not work, you know. Yeah. But Jimmy did an amazing job on you know inserting that solo, inserting all the solos. The fact that you know, if one of the guys wanted to hear it, it'd be like, of course, you know, I'd let you hear it. And it's as good as it might have been. You know, they might have been used to hearing stuff a certain way or, you know, maybe Joe wanted the solo louder or he wanted, you know, more delay on it. You know what I mean? Again, it was one of those things that um, the best intentions of mice and men oftentimes go astray. You know, in other words, as much as you wanted them to love it and have it be perfect, you knew that, you know, maybe they were going to find something. And, yeah. you know, it could have been an ongoing process. We did something and they hear go, well, you know, the delay's too long. And thank God, none of those guys did that. They're all just down for doing solos. And uh, it, it was amazing. Uh, I reached out to Paul Gilbert, again, somebody I'd known for many, many years. And, and again, you know, I, I mean, as well as I knew Joe, I mean, it's not like we were buddies. It's not like we would correspond once or twice a year just to say hello. It, you know, it wasn't that relationship. It was based in, solely on journalist and 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 interviewee and yeah. same with paul you know we'd met several times and he was always very cordial i thought what the hell so i reached out to him he goes yeah man absolutely and and paul played a blazing solo uh, over a song called i'm a loser He said, yeah, man, he said, some of those changes, even though they were really simple, they weren't the kinds of changes he would write. And he says, yeah, man, I really had to kind of bend some notes, you know, to get over those changes and kind of stuff, you know. 
which is great. I mean, pushing Paul Gilbert into any kind yeah. of, you know, <laughs> right. area where he hadn't ventured as a guitar player w- 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 was great. Uh, Bumblefoot, um, who's just oh, one of the nicest people who's ever lived and just one of the most unbelievable guitar players. He played an amazing solo in a hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And if you listen to it, um, some of those parts are double tracked and they might not might even be in double, uh, I'm sorry, triple track. So he played and then he went back and played harmonies. I mean, come on, man, that, that, that takes some time. I mean, That's even good. for him, um, you know what I mean? So, so, so some thought w- was given to the, to the solo he played. Mm. Um, and I think thought was given to all these solos. Matt Heathy uh, from uh, uh, Trivium played a great solo, a little more raucous. Uh, Matt played on on Afterlife. Afterlife was the name of the um, Blackthorn record, which was sort of the band uh, that Jimmy had uh, with Graham Bonnet um, post Alcatraz. Okay. Uh, Bob Kulik uh, was a guitar player in, in that band. Um, Bob uh, has passed away. Mm. Um, in fact, there's a, a video that just came out for After Afterlife, and there's a nice little R.I.P. to to Bob. So basically, that was a song uh, originally. That that song is is pretty much the song that appears on the Afterlife record. That was a song that I wrote with Graham. I had the music and then Graham and I wrote lyrics and then Bob interpreted, interpreted it and added some little, you know, not little, but added, you know, little lines and little accents and things. Um, but those lyrics and stuff were, were already written and those melodies. And then Matt came in and, uh, you know, burned through that solo, um, which I thought was uh, uh, an amazing solo. Uh, Joe Stump, who's the guitar player in Alcatraz at the moment, um, played uh, an amazing solo on a song called um, Tortured Soul. That was a song that Jimmy and I wrote. Actually, Jimmy started. He had like the keyboard parts and he and I sort of um, uh, that. I know this one was written specifically for the record. This wasn't something Jimmy, Jimmy and I had done. And so we just communicated, uh, you know, using uh, I forget which kind of stuff Jimmy uses. Pro Tools like gear, you know, yeah, yeah. so, you know, he put up the track and the drums and, um, you know, he sent me the keyboard idea. So he showed me, you know, cause I'm really bad at this stuff. And he just showed me how to, you know, press that button and you can play some guitar parts. So I pressed the button and I play some guitar parts that he could listen to, you know, and um, then I heard some interesting changes for what became, I think the B section and uh, maybe the chorus. Um, it was like a really dark, dark song. And uh, uh, David, you know, you know, said, hey, man, dark song, think dark, which is how he came up with Tortured Soul. Actually, I wrote that down here as well. It's probably one of the, the heaviest riffs on the album. It's pretty freaking heavy, you know, and that's funny because that started with Jimmy's keyboard, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Tracy Guns uh, just uh, plays on a song called Facing the Crowd. 
Yeah, a little bit of that, you know, bluesy, yeah. Guns and Roses kind of a thing. Mike Flintz is the guitar player in a band called Riot. Um, mm. Fairly big band. They're pretty big in Europe. He is an unbelievable guitar player. Has, has a little bit of that classic rock thing. Has a little bit of that Clapton thing. Victim of the Night was a song that was done originally by, and my brain escapes me. Um, that was the only song that, that, that we didn't write. And the reason we did that is that David Reese actually sang on a version of this. I don't know if he sang the final version with this band who kind of were, were best known for doing this song, but, but he played, uh, sorry, he sang on, on like on a, a version of it. And so Giles thought, hey, let, let, let's do Victim of the Night. David knows the song, he sings it great. And he did, he sang that great. Um, I don't care anymore. Uh, Herman Frank from Accept um, played a great solo. I, I, I didn't get Herman, that was, um, uh, I think Giles reached out to him. We Won't Be Forgotten uh, is another um, Blackthorn song. It was on that first Blackthorn record. Uh, Bob, that's Bob Kulik's song. I had nothing to do with that song. Okay. And uh, a, a Japanese guitar player named uh, Nozumo uh, Wakai uh, wrote that. Nozumo is a pretty big guitar player uh, in Japan. And uh, Jimmy knew him because uh, Alcatraz had toured in Europe. I guess he befriended Nozumo. And um, Nozumo... Uh, you know, play some pretty, uh, pretty shreddy kind of stuff. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and last but not least, this amazing guitar player we got, man. And, and I wasn't sure if this guy was going to do it, but I reached out to him. This guy named Steve Rosen. He said, <laughs> Steve, would you play a solo on this song? I said, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I need to see the checkbook. and It's got to be the right kind of song. And you know, I, I, I don't want to embarrass any of these other solo players you have. So, you know, I, I thought I'm not a solo player by any stretch of the imagination. I don't play, not that I can play anything like these guys, but I, I don't play anything like these guys. I, I, I don't have that facility, you know, I, I don't have this, I didn't have anything like that. So I thought, well, well, I didn't think, I, I mean, I kind of, you know, retreated to the place where I felt comfortable. Um, and I wanted to put a solo on there. I wanted to say, yeah, man, I'm on a solo with, you know, Paul Gilbert and Joe Satriani. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it came out being, um, how can I describe it? A little bit like Steve Vai meets uh, David Gilmore. You know, just like a few notes, you know, kind of slinky stuff, uh, you know, a little more lyrical. And I'm really happy with the solo, man. I, I, I just thought it came out um, so great. The, the, the instrumental section um, the changes are a little quirky sounding. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I was really happy with it. I typically play because a lot of the original uh, well, some of the original rhythm parts are there on those original songs Jimmy and I wrote. And like I said, I, you know, I went in and kind of replayed some parts or came up with different voicings or different inversions. So I basically play rhythm on, on, on most of these songs. But again, a lot of them are um, sort of strengthened by some of the guitar players. There's a guitar player named Donnie Jones, um, who's a friend of Jimmy's. He's an unbelievable guitar player. So, you know, if my timing was a little bit suspect, you know, Donnie went in there and, you know, just kind of nailed that stuff. And yeah, so that's kind of the story of uh, Highway Sentinels. Um, the album's called Awaiting Fire, which is my title. Yep. 
And um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's on uh, a, a label called Louder Than Loud. I think it's due out any day. I'm, I'm not sure if it's actually out yet. And you know, man, I, I just hope that it gets a little bit of uh, acceptance out there. You know, I mean, I think it's a really good record. Yeah. You, you'd seem to dig it. You know, I mean, I think it, it brings in a little of that kind of that classic '80s rock, you know, and yeah, a little exactly. modern sign, sounding. And you know, man, I, I think it's a good record. And if, if, if nothing else, just to hear these guys solo over these kinds of songs, you know, um, yeah. I think it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, like I said at the start, they're, they're all great songs, and uh, the artists you have on each track, you know, really fits the song as well. Yeah, oh, cool, man. Even like the one you do, uh, not too late. Uh, some of the changes that really injure it, and it's probably one of the hardest ones I'd say to, to solo over because of the, the changes. But yeah, you did a great job. Oh well, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're able to hear all the songs. Um, yeah, not too late was actually originally a song called um, Naked. Yeah, it was actually sung by a female. It was actually a song that that I was trying to get to heart. I thought it would have been a perfect song for heart. But uh, I, I, I can't even remember if I even got that to them or their publisher, but, you know, they, they passed or they never heard it. I'm not sure. Um, but I always really loved that song. And, um, yeah, those changes, they are probably some of the more, some of the, you know, deeper changes of, of, of any song on, on the record, you know, yeah. um, I, I kind of love it. I mean, the chorus is kind of like a, a really long chorus, yeah. which I kind of love. I mean, it's kind of, you know, really different. And then, yeah, that little um, uh, solo section in there, which some of those changes I think were on the original, um, but they were kind of tweaked a little bit. And then uh, my friend Ron De La Vega uh, played bass on that. And he just played these really great notes over these changes, you know, man, just got these really cool kind of weird little kind of notes over the changes, made it sound a little outside. Yeah, man. So, you know, so, so we'll see. I mean, you know, um, I, you know, Jimmy keeps joking with me. He says, Hey man, you better get ready to tour. Just put me on the stage. You can put me the back of the stage. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sit there with my guitar unplugged. I just want to be there, you know. <laughs> you know, let's see. Somebody else can play, and I'll, I'll come out. I'll do my one solo, and I'll stand in the corner. But you know, so. Um, oh, they're great. So, is this your first album that you've recorded playing guitar? That that's a good question. You know, I mean, I suppose it is. I mean, I've recorded lots and lots of songs. Yeah. But but never an album. You know, I was recording songs, you know, I mean, a lot of these demos that Jimmy and I did, I was playing guitars on them, mm. you know, but but never never as an album or anything like that. Yeah, I suppose it is the first record, I mean, I've ever recorded, yeah, a, as an album. I've had a few songs on albums, yeah. um, you know, um, just as a writer, I wasn't, I wasn't playing at all. Jimmy and I also wrote a, 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 a world music project called uh, Spirit Nation. This is probably, God, 2000. I mean, it goes back a while. Um, and we actually got a deal on V2 Records, which was Richard Branson's label. I wrote all those songs with Jimmy, um, but but I, I didn't play any guitars. Actually, I think I played guitar in one. Mm. So I basically wrote, wrote an album. It was actually two Spirit Nation records. Wrote two records, um, but no, I never, never played um, songs on an entire record now yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it was it was cool man it was uh it was fun i mean I, I must admit i mean it was not easy doing stuff long distance but 
but it was pretty fun, especially, you know, hearing these guys, you know, solo over these songs. It was like, oh, my God. So with the, the Bumblefoot track, it sounds like he's using the, the fretless, the, the double neck guitar. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was hoping he was going to do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, that's his thing. Um, yeah. That's really cool. I mean, a fretless guitar, um, a fretless bass is very difficult to play. Mm. A violin is the most difficult instrument there is. Yep. Um, the intonation, because it's such a small neck, um, you know, people tell you it's a whatever, trumpet, a trombone, French violin is the hardest instrument there is to play. Is. So a, a fretless guitar, I'm not saying it's more difficult than a violin. I mean, it probably isn't uh, because the neck is probably bigger and it's probably more forgiving in terms of intonation. But I mean, still, you could put a fretless guitar in the hands of a really, really, really good guitar player. And I, you know, I don't think he would, you know, he wouldn't yeah. have a clue what to do. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Bumblefoot, yeah, man, that's his thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he played great, you know, it was so cool. And the thing that's cool is, you know, a lot of these guys, um, in fact, probably all of them have their own home studios. Mm. So, you know, they could kind of, you know, pop in and, you know, click on record and, yep. you know, kind of just kind of go. So that that was cool. Even your rhythm tracks are really cool as well. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, it's funny. I always thought I was a better songwriter than I was a journalist. I right. honestly, truly believe that. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, that, that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be a songwriter. Well, I mean, I wanted to play in a band. Yes. And I realized, well, that's probably not going to happen, you know. But you know what? I, I think I'm a good enough songwriter. I think I could, you know, I could get a publishing deal. I could write songs for, for bands. You know, I think I think I could do that, you know. And I tried and I tried and I tried and man, I could never, you know, I had successes here and there, but I could, I could just never make a living at it. But the, getting back to your, your comment, um, I mean, I, I, I thought I was a, I thought I was a really good songwriter and I thought these were good songs. You know, the, the original versions were good songs. And I thought, Hey, you know what, you know, reimagining these songs, reorchestrating them, you know, they're going to sound like good songs. There's, yep. they're going to be good songs. You know, I, I've always tried to think melodically, and come up with cool little riffs and and things and changes and so yeah so hopefully you know people pick up on the fact that you know these are good songs and oh, yeah. you know good vocals and some good guitar playing and um, yeah man I mean the the, the label um, as you know has has already put out three videos yeah and I was just talking to Giles and and they're going to be putting out at least three more so that's great. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, so that they're, they're trying to, you know, get 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 the word out there and, and get it marketed and stuff. Yeah, definitely great songs. So with the band, I know you spoke about David Reese on vocals and yourself on guitar. Uh, how about the bass player? Is it uh, Donnie Van Seven? Yeah, so where's he from? I think Donnie is also in um, Riot. Oh, okay. Uh, Giles, uh, the manager, um, somehow knew, knew them or... Giles manages various bands. Maybe one of the bands uh, toured with Riot, perhaps. Uh, I'm not sure, but somehow he he knew Mike uh, and Donnie, both really excellent musicians. I mean, I really like Mike's guitar playing. He is a really, really good guitar player. Mm. Again, he's got kind of that Clapton thing, which I which I really dug. Yeah, man, the playing on it, I mean, is is great. Um, you know, Mark Sonder, uh, the drummer, played in um, Fate's Warning. Oh yeah. I don't know if you, you know Fate's Warning. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a 
Prague yeah, band, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of the other uh, guitar player. Um, was it Kurt Anderson? Uh, no, Kurt. Kurt is a, Kurt was actually one of my buddies. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, the guitar player I'm trying to think of it, it isn't on the record. Uh, oh, he, right, he was exactly. in Fate's Warning. I was trying to think of his name. Oh, yeah, oh, Kurt is actually a buddy of mine. Oh, um, no, that's okay. No, Kurt, Kurt is a, uh, uh, a monster guitar player. Um, I mean, he's an unbelievable guitar player. In fact, Kurt played, um, he did basically all of the guitars on uh, We Won't Be Forgotten. We couldn't use the original track of We Won't Be Forgotten from Blackthorn. Um, somehow Jimmy couldn't find, um, you know, the multi-track of it, you know, and, you know, uh, to try to, you know, to strip off the vocals and use it, the existing track would have been ridiculous. It would have sounded like garbage. Yeah. So Kurt sat there and listened to all the guitars and he played every guitar. I think there's some slide or some whammy on there. Um, but he played, he did an unbelievable job. Um, but sounds great. The overall production of it as well. Sounds great. Yeah, no, it came out really good. I mean, you know, Jimmy, my friend Jimmy's a very talented guy. Uh, he basically, you know, engineered and it kind of produced everything, mixed everything. Um, I think he had some help from Donnie Jones, the very talented guy. Yep. But basically, you know, it was all done, at, you know, on his gear at home. I mean, he's got some really good gear. Yeah, he basically uh, did it himself. Yeah, I think it sounds great. You must be a journalist because you pretty much covered all my questions I had written down here about the each track. The uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I figure I just ramble here. <laughs> I can't wait to see you guys tour it, hopefully. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be just a, uh, that would be a dream come true. I'd probably be so freaking nervous, man. I probably couldn't play three notes. And, <laughs> you know, but, you know, yeah, that'd be unbelievable. Like even a, you know, like a small tour. Yeah, yeah. You know, just playing a couple of places. You, you know what I mean? Just to, just to say I was able to play my music or music I was involved in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, on stage, you know, I mean, as opposed to playing in a top, you know, as opposed to playing a Tom Petty song, you know what I mean, yeah. playing your own music. I mean, it must be just an, an unbelievable feeling. Yeah. Uh, just in closing, um, I'm going to jump subjects for one second here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, my book, which we've talked about before, Tone Chaser, mm -hmm. Fingers Crossed. Yeah. Um, it looks like we're nearing the finish line. And if the world doesn't uh, fall apart in the next eight to 10 weeks and boats continue to float on the ocean and yeah. the world keeps turning in the right direction, I'm, I, I hope to have the books in hand, I, I would say the first or second week of September. Okay. And I know that people who have been following you know, me may be putting notices up on some of the Van Halen sites. You know, I know that some of you are saying, well, you said it was going to be here in April. And you said it was going to be here in June and then it was oh, July. And, you know, yeah. I mean, the reality was, man, I honestly thought that the book would be done and the book would be done in my hands like by April or May. I, I thought once a printer had a book, yeah, man, yeah, I turn around in two weeks. Well, yeah. it, it's not like that, yeah. you know, without paper shortages in this country, which are severe. I mean, there is no paper for, for book printing. You know, the COVID thing, supply chain issues, right? The, the ports of LA being inundated, you know, the ships, and, and it's much better now 
but all that stuff just started accumulating. You know, life is what it is. Uh, you know, I mean, if I could have made it happen any sooner, I trust me, uh, nobody wants this book out more than me. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that. So I get uh, emails from people saying, hey, man, you know, when's a book coming out? You know, I'm just curious, you know, and, and, and people are very polite, man. And, and, and they, I, I, you know, I, I, they've been understanding. You know, I try to explain to them a little bit what's going on. And, hey, man, the book's going to be here end of August, early September, you know, and people are really cool. Um, some people were annoyed. I, I mean, there's nothing I can do. And I said, hey, man, you want your money back? I'll give you your money back. I guess I look at it when you prepay something, in my mind, you just kind of forget about it. And then one day, oh, my God, there's that book that I, I paid for, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I look at things. I mean, look. If, if it was, you know, $500 you had prepaid for something and, you know, six months later, that thing wasn't, there's like 500 bucks. Hey man, wh wh where's my, uh, yeah. you know, where's my computer? Where's my thing? You know, but it's like 35, but you know, 35 or, you know, for you guys, it's a little more, I, I get that, but $47, if you're in this country, it's like, look, I get $47 is $47, you know, it's groceries, but I'm not going to rip you off. I'm not going to steal your $47. You know, it's like, so anyway, so anybody who's watching or you put this out there, you know, yeah. your book will be there. I've added three chapters, man. Right. I've added some other little things. Yeah. Some I've added some graphic stuff. You're going to see the book. I swear to God, the book is three inches thick. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really good. I, I mean, I feel really good about these songs. I feel unbelievably good about the book. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it was every, it was every great phrase and paragraph I could write, you know, and I think you're going to come away with it, away with it, understanding Edward much more. My book covers stuff that, that you, that you have not read in any other Van Halen book. Yeah. So, you know, I believe at the end of the day, you have the book in your hand, you're going to, you're going to get to the last page and you're going to go, wow, yeah, this is worth waiting for. You know, I'm, I'm glad I waited patiently, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's my that's my hope for all the readers out there. So. Yeah. I saw the, the little promo that you got with uh, Eddie playing on one of the songs that you jammed along to. Oh, yeah, you heard that. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, that originally, that, that graphic was part of about a, I think it was probably about a minute there was a short window there where I was involved with some people um, and we were pitching a, I guess it would have been more of a documentary uh, about Edward to some film, to, to some film companies. I mean, really big online companies. I mean, Netflix types of people, you know, couldn't get anybody to bite. This was a promo that, um, Actually, the, the director who's going to direct it put together that was kind of a, a pitch promo uh, that was going to be shown to, you know, these um, potential, you know, um, film companies, investors. And so basically it, it just kind of sat there. So I reached out to him one day. I said, hey, man, listen, do you think I could use a little piece of that as a promo for my book? And this guy, in fact, I'm going to tell you, say his name, Tim Calandrello. Tim has actually worked uh, with Steven Spielberg. I mean, Tim is an incredibly gifted guy. He's also one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And he just, sure, man, sure, whatever you want to do. And I said, listen, Tim, the uh, original um, video, 
already had had music on it. I said, listen, can you strip off the music? I've got this little, I, I think it was only about 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. I have this 10 second little snippet of Edward playing guitar over one of my songs at my house. Could, if I got this to you in the right format, could you dump that in there? He goes, yeah, man, no problem. So he cut down the, um, the video, yeah. dumped in that little piece of music. And the, you know, you know, the voice you hear is Edward, mm -hmm. and that's taken from one of my interviews. Uh, I know the quality is not amazing because it was kind of, you know, the audio was there, the voice, and then the music was kind of put in anyway. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, that's when Ed says, um, I'm a tone chaser, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's actually one of the last interviews I did with him. I had sent him a, a bunch of bulk interviews. He pulled out that quote because I remember Ed talking about tone chaser. I go, I go, Tim, listen to that one section, which happens at like, you know, 23 minutes on the, on the original cassette. Ed calls himself a tone chaser. I think that's amazing. Yeah. So tone chaser was actually the audio on the original promo video that was going to be sent to these film companies. Oh, wow. So I thought, oh my God, Ed, Ed is saying I'm a tone chaser. Let me put this little piece of music of Ed playing guitar, one of my songs. Mm. And anyway, that's what that was. And Ed, it's not Ed. That car driving is up on Mulholland. Mulholland uh, Drive was is a very famous winding street that that goes right by Edward's house. Okay. And in the book, I must I must mention Mulholland Drive. I mean, probably fifteen times. Yeah. You know, Ed and I drove on it. Ed probably drove on it every day when he was going somewhere. It was like a main street that you had to take to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it was Tim's idea to shoot it up on Mulholland. And it's kind of, you know, kind of grainy. The, the book cover, you know, Ed's kind of floating. Tim kind of did that. I just thought it was fantastic. You oh, know, I, I just I just oh. really loved it. You know, and I thought, um, you know, Van Halen fans would love it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's a little hard to hear the music that Ed's playing over. Mm. But I, I just thought it was one of those things, and I talk about it so many times in the book. Look, we all know that Edward Van Halen was an extraordinary guitar player. Mm. You know, he was amazing because she wrote all those Van Halen songs and he was soloing over songs she wrote. But and 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 I know that he was amazing, you know, if you've heard him, you know, back in the cover days, the pre, you know, Van Halen days or pre uh, you know, record label days, you know, when he was doing ZZ Top songs and Bad Company, and he was amazing at copying those. But hearing him kind of play over one of my songs, I mean, because I knew the song so intimately, and I, and, and I knew the changes, and to hear him, and to sit there and watch him, and this was instantaneous with him. I mean, he... I think he maybe heard this song once and he just, he just knew it. I mean, yeah. he just knew it again. They weren't very difficult changes, but he understood the he understood the song perfectly. And I'm sitting there, I'm in my living room and, you know, he's playing and I'm going, Oh Jesus, God, this is like, he became even greater than, than I, I thought he was. Yeah. And I write an entire chapter about him coming over that night. I didn't even know he was coming over. There's a knock at the door and he comes in. 
You know, he says, hey, man, what's going on? And I was there with my friend. In fact, Ron De La Vega. Ron, who's playing bass on uh, uh, Not Too Late, right? This amazing bass player. Ron is playing keyboards. And Ed comes in and he sees it. I mean, you can tell we're, we're writing, you know. And he's kind of sitting on the couch. And I don't want to give away the whole book, but I, I just have to tell this little bit of story, you know. And, uh, you know, he says, he says, um, he says, hey, man, you know, could I play? I, I go, no, Ed, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to let you play. I mean, like Edward Van Halen. So, you know, I mean, Ed plays guitar 23 hours a day. So I figured the last thing he'd want to do, you know. Yeah. So that's why I didn't say, hey, Ed, you want to play? I, I couldn't bring myself to do that. So um, she said, hey, man, can I play? I, you know, I was playing, and I think I might have been plugged into a little amp. I, I don't know, man. But I sounded like shit. <laughs> yeah, my guitar. Uh, he plugs in and he sounds like Ed. And all of a sudden, you know, and, you know, then he's he's looking at the song and he's going, oh, you know, I instead of the, 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 the verse going like this, and he starts playing these little bits. And it's for a brief moment, man, while he was there that night, I could look inside his head and go, oh, my God, that's how he thinks as a as a. Not not necessarily a guitar player because it was guitar player, but as a songwriter and an orchestrator and an arranger, mm. you know, how he builds his verses and how he, you know, ties the bits together. I mean, I, I saw it, man. I was there. I watched him. Right. And this song that he played over, again, it, it was a, it was a good song. He, he plays a couple of these little parts and all of a sudden the song is like, bam. It's like this song. It's like, it's this life that in 10,000 years, I could never have conceptualized it. And the parts, it's not that they were intricate parts. They were just, they, they were just so beautiful and so perfect. And so I write about that. And there's a lot more that happened that night. And uh, it, it's just amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, I thought people would just get off kind of hearing Ed, you know, soloing over this, yeah. you know, this song that this guy, Steve Rosen wrote, you know, and um, I, 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 just, I just thought it was just so amazing. I mean, it's one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite moments, you know, yeah, that's um, incredible. ever being with him. I mean, having him play on one of my songs, <laughs> you know, man, it's like, that's, that, that's fantasy stuff. So. Oh, yeah. so did you ever think about putting like a little snippet on the, this album? <laughs> I suppose I could have. <laughs> actually, that song uh, was actually a song called "Mortal Man." That was actually it was it was a, actually a pretty good song. I mean, the original demo was just a, a, a it was a, a four track uh, Fostex that we were recording on that Ron, my friend Ron, was doing, and he was great again, man. I it was my Fostex, but I. I didn't know how to, you know, I could barely turn the thing on, you know, so you had to bounce stuff. I didn't know how to do that, but you know, we could have redone those tracks and honestly what I could have done, I suppose I could have interpreted Ed's guitar parts mm. and kind of replay his parts. I mean, yeah. Putting his part, his actual parts on there. Do you know what would have happened? I think hardcore Van Halen fans would go, Oh my God, this is another song that we get to hear Ed on. And they would have been blown away. Yeah. You know, Edward playing my guitar. He's not playing his guitar now. And he's playing through a little, I, I don't know, I had, maybe he had like a little Fender 
or I might have been even going through like a little board or direct, you know, so he's playing my guitar. It was a decent guitar. And I talk about it. It was a, it was an older Strat, you know, basically, you know, it was nothing great. It wasn't his gear. It wasn't his guitar with his pickups and his amps. So he's playing basically my guitar going through this little amp um, on one of my songs. And they would have gone, hardcore fans would have gone, oh my God, listen to what he's doing. Listen to those accents. Because people would have recognized his approach in other Van Halen songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did some stuff that sounded, it sounded like other things that he did in other Van Halen songs because it was Eddie Van Halen. And my song doesn't sound like a Van Halen song. So I couldn't write like him, yeah. but as a guitar player and the way he thinks, just his accents and, you know, it's like, you go, oh my God, that's like Ed, but it's not Ed. So I think hardcore Van Halen fans would have been blown away. Yeah. A lot of guys would have said, oh, Rosen, you know, you know, Ed's gone and you're putting that on your record, you, you know? And it's like, yeah. I, I would have been like this negative thing. And yeah, I, I, I tell you, man, those guys ruin it for everybody else because to hear that stuff, even though not one syllable is true, the idea of, of having those kinds of, it's just not, you know, you know what I mean? It just wouldn't have been worth it to to go through that, you know, and they say you're not supposed to read your own press and I try not to do that, but uh, inevitably, you know, something's going to leak through and, you know, and and, and again, I mean, I know people are going to read this book and they're going to go, you're a liar. That never happened. You're not, you weren't friends with Ed or, Hey, I get that. You can't please everybody uh, all the time, but you know, something like that. I mean, I know is it is all me. It was all true. And, you know, so somebody says that, you know, you just try to ignore that, you know, because I I mean, I, I know what the truth is. I mean, you've got the types to prove it. Yeah. Well, I've got pictures. Yeah. Pictures don't lie. You know, and I know we've probably gone over some of the same terrain here, but I mean, the book is really honest, yeah. you know, honest to the point where it's probably, it probably will piss some people off. Uh, I'm honest in my portrayal of myself in that book as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff I'd rather not have written about, but Hey, you know, that, that that's, that's not what the book was. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with everybody, you know, including myself. So, Hopefully, if there's a, an audio version of this book, people can hear it as well. He's playing. An audio version, yeah, man. And I, I, I've thought a lot about that. You know, I was trying to figure out, typically an audio version is done with uh, some kind of a um, fiction novel, you know, a, yeah. a Tom Clancy, you know, and somebody's reading yeah. a, a Tom Clancy novel. What I was trying to figure out, so in my book, there's, there's my voice. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say my voice, I'm writing in first person. So it's me. But yep. then there's Edward's voice, right? A lot of Edward's, you know, his exact words, you know. So how would you do that? And then and then somebody suggested, well, you probably have to have at least two people doing the audio. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean there's stuff where there's straight interviews, you know. And, uh, oh, I went over to Ed's and, uh, you know, I did an interview with him for a guitar world. You know, so my question, so Ed, when did you start the Fair Warning record? And then Ed, oh, we started it, you know, three weeks ago. So, I mean, I suppose you could have, you know, one person, you know, reading all of that. It just seems really confusing to me mm-hmm. because there's other bits in here where 
where the voice, and I don't want to give it away, but where there's kind of like a, a person who's not me really and not Ed, this person is kind of looking down on yeah. this thing happening between this guy, Steve Rose, and this guy, Edward Van Halen, yeah. and he can see everything and he's commenting. So it's almost like there's a third person in there. You know what I mean? So do you have three people doing that? I mean, I suppose you could. I just think it would take a long time to do because the book is so fucking long. <laughs> you, you know, I, I mean, it's twice the length of, of typical books. Um, somebody suggested, uh, hey, man, why don't you get David Lee Roth to do it? Oh, yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know what? On any given day, Dave, you know, I, you know what I mean? I mean, because it's hard to know what Dave's thinking about. It's like he might, he might want to do it. You know what I mean? You know, to be involved in it. Some of the things in there that Ed says about Dave, mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but maybe maybe Dave might get off on reading what Edward says and him actually reading the words. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Man. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. <laughs> but, um, you know, and again, the other kind of book I wanted to do, which I described as an enhanced audio, would be one where there will be somebody reading yeah. bits of it, but the parts in the book that they're basically quotes from Ed would actually be the actual audio. Yeah, that'd be great. So you'd hear Ed actually talking or 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 certain excerpts of it, you know. I think that would work really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be pretty amazing. I mean, because of what I've tried to do is it, I've really tried to actually describe how Ed talks yeah. and his speech patterns. And, you know, so, I mean, most people have heard Ed talk because they've heard him on a YouTube thing or something. But, um, you know, so I tried to go into that whole thing anyway. So anyway, so that's my little side trip about my book. Yeah. But uh, be looking for it. It's coming, people. I just I can't wait for everyone to hear it, the album, and, and get the book as well. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, you're uh, you're on my list, buddy. Yep, yeah, for sure. You're one of the – in fact, you're the only multiple book, book dude in Australia. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, – yeah, man. So after you get the book, you read it. We'll talk again. Yeah, for sure. No, I can't wait. Unless you don't like the book, in which case, <laughs> don't call me. No, I'm sure. I'm sure I will. Okay. Okay. All right, well, thanks. Well, cool, man. So, uh, you take care of yourself. Yep. No, I really appreciate your time, and hopefully, um, yeah, we'll catch up real soon to talk about the the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk to you later, Adam. All right. I'll see you then. Bye, buddy. Bye. Bye.